Welcome. This is the 10th episode of our series SCI Care What Really Matters. Our 7th bite-sized bonus track will be out later this week. We hope you have been enjoying this series as we bring experts together virtually to share their experiences and insights with you. We feel these episodes are an excellent prelude to our virtual conference. I'm your host, Dr. Harvinder Chhabra, Chief of Spine Service and Medical Director, Indian Spine Center, and the President of ISCOS. Healthcare is a complex industry that needs to strike a balance between achieving consistency and catering to the variations in individual patients' needs. Patients and providers have different priorities, which can create strains when implementing standardization of medical care protocols and procedures, which is now an established practice that helps create a safer and more affordable patient culture. With the progress in different fields of medicine, we have come a long way in management of spinal cord injury. From an ailment not to be treated during the early and mid 20th century, our current view is life after a spinal cord injury can be happy, meaningful and worth living. In the past few decades, great advances have been made in the medical and nursing management, rehabilitation and resettlement of patients with serious traumatic as well as non-traumatic spinal injuries. Special spinal units have played an important part in these advances. Despite the revolutionization of SCI management, there is no global consensus on a standardized definition of a spinal cord injury unit and grading of such centers. Currently, we see a whole gamut of medical establishments offering varying facilities to patients with SCI. Given the multiple healthcare needs of people with SCI, a comprehensive range of services is required. As multiple stakeholders are involved in the delivery of services for people with SCI, a systematic and unified approach to service delivery is vital. It is thus imperative to grade a SCI unit so that appropriate care and referral system can be in place. In this episode, we will discuss this and related issues. We are privileged to have with us today Professor Michael Fellings, Professor of Neurosurgery, Vice Chair Research, Department of Surgery, Co-Director, Spine Program, McLaughlin Scholar in Molecular Medicine, University of Toronto, and Jerry and Tootsie Halbert, Chair in Neural Repair and Regeneration, Senior Scientist, Tremble Brain Institute Scientist, McEwen Center for Regenerative Medicine, Toronto Western Hospital, University Health Network. We also have with us Dr. Patrick Kluger, Spine Surgeon, Germany. He had been the Spine Surgeon at Stoke Mandeville Hospital. He is a senior member of the Spine Trauma Study Group of ISCOS. We will be discussing today current scenario of spinal cord injury services, the need for developing a grading system to standardize the services. Professor Michael Failings and myself will also be part of an in-depth workshop on the topic at our virtual conference this September and you will be able to ask your questions directly to us and the faculty during the presentation. Welcome, Professor Michael Fellings and Dr. Patrick Kruger. Patrick, can you give the German scenario of the existing models of spinal cord injury services? 
First of all, thank you for having me. But to answer this question, one needs to look a bit at the history. In Germany, the DMGP, the German-speaking Society for Paraplegia, comprises the German specialists, but as well the Austrian and the Swiss ones, as long as they speak German. So we have 27 centers in Germany and uh, in this group, and uh, three in Austria and four in Switzerland. They all work together in this uh, society. We have a grading and regulation for acknowledged, registered spinal cord injury centers from the mid-70s last century. So 50 years ago, the social accident insurance, the workers' compensation, which is a system we have in Germany and also in Austria, they covered the most of all traumatic paraplegia because it happened at work or at way to work and from work. This insurance runs own hospitals, and they established spinal cord injury centers within them. But they couldn't take all patients, and some of the patients were too far away, lived too far away. So they had to find regulations how other hospitals, other institutions could take these patients. And that's why they prescribed how such a center needs to be equipped already in the mid-70s. This was updated later on and so on, but it covered everything from the ratio nurse to patient, which was 1.63 at the beginning, to the number of physiotherapists per patient, the space for every bed and so on. And only if a, an institution could fulfill these requirements, they were allowed to take patients covered from the uh, social accident insurance, which was a good, important part of the workload. So all centers followed this. So we have regulated centers from then. Now, the workers' compensation or social accident insurance became less important over the years in terms of the patients covered. And as in many other countries, we observe a growing commercialization, privatization in healthcare. And because treating these patients is and has been quite profitable, these private institutions went into it, not fulfilling these standards, really, and making money out of it. So from this dilemma, the German-speaking Society for Paraplegia decided they have to set new standards, which are achievable, but which make sure that the patient can reliably go into one of these registered centers. One tool is all centers on the website of the DMGP are listed and their services are also listed, what they can do, like do they have 24-7 surgery access, do they have 24-7 MRI, and so on. And one can go through these lists and look up what a center, a unit can offer. More than that, there are other centers coming up and they can apply to be a registered center. And the registration follows a questionnaire. And this questionnaire has recently been established and you can apply for being a center of first category. So doing all, taking polytrauma, and so on, have ventilated patients, 
or 1B, then you don't need to have everything 24-7. Or you go to category 2, and then you don't need to have all services available at the same extent. Also, the ratio nurse to patient differs a bit from 1.5 nurse per patient to 1.0 in the second category. So we have from, I would think, from 10 to 15 years back, we have also centers of post-acute care in Germany. But the original ones were all category 1 and all acute and post-acute care. Thank you, Patrick. Dr. Michael Fairlings, could you share the Canadian scenario of uh, models of spinal cord injury services? Yes. Currently in Canada, there are 30 accredited acute and spinal cord injury centers and rehabilitation centers, which are closely integrated. Through the uh, Praxis Institute, in collaboration with Accreditation Canada, standards have been established to accredit acute and rehabilitation spinal cord injury units. And these are units that meet benchmarks for the acute and rehabilitation care of acute uh, spinal cord injury. And they're involved in data collection, in research, and in teaching. And there are ongoing critical uh, benchmarks of uh, quality which are assessed. Thank you, Dr. Michael Fellings. Um, could you share your views on the benefits of grading and standardization of uh, spinal cord injury units? Yes, I think there are many benefits related to the standardization of uh, care. So it's been shown that the development of standardization and protocols does um, enhance the, uh, the care of, of any medical condition and certainly for spinal cord injury. So some of the critical standards relate to the correct classification of patients. So using the INSCI slash Asia standards for the neurological examination. So this is now standard practice in the acute spinal cord injury units. We have worked hard in Canada to develop national guidelines for the management of spinal cord injury. So for example, from the acute perspective, we follow the principle of time is spine. So early a surgical intervention for an acute spinal cord injury is standard practice. And this is reflected in many benefits for uh, the patient as well as to society in terms of the improvement of uh, neurological and clinical outcomes and the reduction in long-term disability and uh, complications, as well as a smoother reintegration to the community. Thank you, Dr. Michael Felix. Um, Dr. Patrick Kluger, your views with regard to the benefits? Yeah, I would think there are several motives for this to consider. The one is to make sure that the patient can find a center suitable for, for him or her and able to, to manage. There is also the motive of some uh, protectionism, isn't it? So not everybody in every corner can say, now I'm a spinal cord injury center. 
Um, the third thing is the insurances who cover the cost must be sure that the right management is done for the money they pay. The German-speaking Medical Society for Paraplegia, what is also known as DMGP, has standardized and defined the paraplegic center of the DMGP. Can you share details of the grading and the definition, Patrick? Yes, I already started to describe it in my first uh, statement. So we have a level 1A, and this includes polytrauma management 24-7. So there must be an inpatient treatment of at least 50 acute paraplegia per year. There must be available diagnostic interventional radiology with large-scale equipment, CT, MR, multifunctional workstation. There must be surgery available 24-7, an intensive care unit, uh, sonography, video urodynamic, measuring and urography, evoked potentials, lab diagnostics, including microbiology, treatment uh, for ventilation paraplegic patients, and an outpatient paraplegic and neurological care. So this would be level 1A. Level 1B is basically the same without the polytrauma management. So if the patient has a multiple trauma, they don't, they cannot be admitted there, at least not 24-7. And then we have the level two. There again, we have uh, sub-levels. 2A would be ICU, would comprise an ICU with the ability to uh, manage ventilated patients, long-term ventilation. And X-ray, CT, sonography, uh, uh, neurodynamic, neurography, evoked potentials, lab, and so on is comprised. And level 2B is basically the same without the ICU or the possibility, the ability to treat uh, ventilated patients. The equipment has comprised, has to comprise everything. I mean, this is in the questionnaire when the center applies. Um, then they have to show that they have a therapy pool, they have a kitchen and bath for training, they have a wheelchair show, of course, sports hall, seat pressure measurement, they have an orthopedic technician, and so on. And they also have to show that they do the classification according to the international standards in skin and pain protocol scales, mixing bowel protocol, uh, Ashworth scale, pressure score index, and so on. So the documentation is important because all these centers work in a network and meet twice a year. This is the case from the mid-70s. And they share common statistics and documentation, uh, which was quite rough in the beginning, but is more defined now. So we have a huge database regarding the causes of accident, the level of neurological deficit, the completeness and incompleteness, and the length of stay. And this only is possible when all these units follow the same rules of documentation. Thank you, Patrick. American College of Surgeons has laid down specific criteria for grading trauma centers. Dr. Michael Felix, could you elaborate on the salient features of this grading system? 
Yes. So um, the care of trauma in North America is highly standardized. And the American College of Surgeons provides accreditation and standards for trauma units. And there are five levels of trauma here. A level one uh, a trauma unit is the most comprehensive. Um, and this is a unit that has 24-hour in-hospital care of all of the major uh, surgical and medical uh, services, including uh, subspecialized care. And there is ready access to advanced imaging to the operating theaters, and there's ongoing uh, teaching and research. A level two trauma unit is similar. However, there may not be in-hospital 24-hour uh, access, but there is a ready access to the major services. Some of the subspecialized services, such as microvascular reconstruction, uh, cardiac surgery may not be available in a level two unit, and those patients may need to be uh, uh, transferred on. And then uh, it, the grading system goes from level three to level five. So this is of relevance to spinal cord injury in that a spinal cord injury, of course, is a major injury. And the current model systems guidelines and the praxis guidelines in Canada and the U.S. Uh, respectively uh, complement the American College of Surgeons model systems designation and provide more uh, specific criteria for spinal cord injury care. Thank you, Dr. Michael Fellings. The DMGP grading was evolved specifically for Germany. Can this be applicable across the globe? If not, can this or the ACS grading of trauma centers be a stepping stone for the larger picture we are looking at? Dr. Patrick Kluger, can you give your viewpoint? I think, as I said, you know, it's already um, regarding three countries. Uh, they are not so far apart. Uh, Austria, Switzerland, and Germany. And I think the same principle could be applied to other countries as well. The same principle of having a network, of doing common documentation, and of grading which institution can do what. I mean, there are many reasons to have uh, some post-acute or less intense uh, treatment uh, after the acute phase. And if the centers are so widespread and so far from home, outreach, preparation of discharge and so on, is much easier if it is done in an institution which is closer to home. These patients still must not be lost to the primary center, and this is only possible by the networking mentioned. Dr. Michael Fairlings, what is your opinion in this regard? I think that there is uh, a need to establish uh, globalized standards of care for neurotrauma patients and for spinal cord injured patients, uh, respectively. And there certainly is an opportunity to integrate the uh, standards and benchmarks that have been established 
in geographic regions such as North America and in uh, Europe, for example, uh, Germany. And the standards are quite similar. So I think that these are uh, certainly applicable. In the spinal cord injury field, we have the benefits of having international organizations such as ISCOS, which have established uh, standards for the neurological classification of spinal cord injury. And increasingly, we have guidelines for the care of spinal cord injured individuals, which can be applied at a broad level. So I think that it is uh, highly feasible to integrate the different standards of care, and it's highly um, desirable to enhance patient outcomes. Thank you, Dr. Michael Felix. Um, do you foresee any challenges in developing a single grading system, Dr. Michael Felix? Do you have any suggestions on how to overcome these challenges? There are a number of potential challenges which one could envision in terms of in terms of the development of, of global standards of classification and of uh, management. So these include uh, cultural and language challenges, as well as the challenges related to dis different systems of care, which are going to be present in developed economies versus low and middle income uh, countries. Having said that, there, however, is an opportunity to establish a clear uh, benchmarks which can be universally applied. And um, I would argue that even in low and middle income countries, the care of uh, trauma, including spinal cord injury, should be national priorities because the efficient care reduces long-term disability and secondary complications and in fact is cost efficient. And so any economic investments that are made in the development of um, uh, standards of care will be rewarded with reduced costs and improved outcomes. Thank you, Dr. Michael Felix. Uh, Dr. Patrick Kluger, what are your views regarding the challenges of developing the grading system and how we could overcome these challenges? I think the, the main challenge is the greediness of commercialized uh, medical care. And therefore, one has to have the insurances in the boat because it's important for them that they avoid paying for long-term consequences of insufficient care. And if they agree to a grading system where they say, if this is not a registered center, we will not pay their fee. That's one aspect. The other aspect, of course, is these centers existing get into competition with cheaper ones, post-acute ones. And by shifting the patient to a post-acute, less expensive center, subsequently, the treatment cost in the acute center will rise. Because when the patient becomes a bit cheaper in management, like more self-independent in DLA, if the patient then is shifted, he or she becomes more expensive for the primary set. Further, a disadvantage of it is that acute patients 
benefit tremendously from being in contact with chronic patients, with readmissions for checkups and so on. That's very important for them to see how these people can manage the life which is absolutely unknown to the acute ones. Therefore, to have peers in the center is one way to help. But I would like to maintain what we had in the past, that we could do readmissions for checkup with chronic patients, because the interaction between the chronic patients and the acute ones is tremendously important. The only thing we, which is left from this are sorts like summer parties at a lake where the uh, former patients are invited and the acute ones even if ventilated go also. So that's the way we try to maintain these contacts. So thanks Dr. Michael Fadings and Dr. Patrick Kluger. It has been a great discussion and uh, we hope uh, that we can carry this on in our workshop on 1st September during the ISCOS virtual annual scientific meeting. Look forward to meeting you there. Thank you very much. So friends, we have had an interesting discussion. We discussed that there are 30 accredited acute and rehabilitation spinal cord injury centers in Canada, whereas there are 27 DMGP accredited centers in Germany, three in Austria and four in Switzerland. We further discussed that the standardization of medical care protocols and procedures are now an established practice that helps enhance care, improves documentation and efficiency, and creates a safer and more affordable patient culture. Praxis Institute, in collaboration with Accreditation Canada, established standards spinal injury centers in Canada. The accreditation standards in Germany date back to five decades ago when they were implemented for workers' compensation. The German-speaking Medical Society for Paraplegia, or DMGP, has standardized and defined the paraplegic center of the DMGP. Patrick has given the details about the grading. Dr. Michael Fairlings described the American College of Surgeons grading for trauma centers. There was a consensus that there is a need to develop a grading system to standardize the service globally. There's an opportunity to integrate the existing established standards which have been implemented in Germany, Canada and America and develop a system that would be applicable in developed and emerging country scenarios. Of course, there will be challenges due to different cultures, languages and economies. However, we should seize the opportunity, find solutions and develop a globalized grading system to standardize SCI services. I'd like to thank Dr. Michael Fairlings and Dr. Patrick Kluger for joining us today. I have enjoyed the discussions. I'm sure listeners will enjoy them too. I, Dr. Chabra, have been your host and we do hope you have enjoyed listening. We have all the relevant links discussed in this episode in our show notes. We also have information on how to register for our virtual conference taking place this September. Please do take a look. Until then, please do subscribe and we look forward to bringing you more on SCI Care, What Really Matters.